According to reports, Boston College has their coaches all in place now. Jeff Halfley has his staff ready to roll. Today, we're going to look at what do they have to do? What is the to-do list? What are those important checkboxes that these coaches are going to have to fill to make sure Boston College, A, has a good season, and B, Jeff Halfley returns from 2024? We're going to get into all of this and more on today's show. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. This is Locked on BC. I'm your host, AJ Black. Happy Thursday, everyone, today. Looks like the coaching staff is finally in place. Over a month has gone by since the firing of John McNulty. A week and a half has gone by since the firing of offensive line coach Dave DeGuglielmo. And if you're going to believe the reports that are out, all those positions have been filled. On the offensive coordinator position, it looks like it's going to be two coaches. Steve Shimko, their quarterback's coach, who's also worked uh, at Georgia with the Seattle Seahawks. He's got a pretty extensive background. And Rob Chizinski, who many folks know as the former Miami uh, Hurricanes offensive coordinator from the the early 2000s and a stint in in Indianapolis where he had a great offense, but really no defense, which honestly doesn't matter all that much. But he was the former... um, advisor to Jeff Halfley. So if that's the case, if these coaches are put into place and BC knows what they have to do to move forward, these guys have a very tough job ahead of them, but one I think that they can handle. And the question remains, what do they need to do to fix this offense? What does BC have to do to get more points? Because Last year, this offense was anemic. It was, it was, if you want to use the word disaster, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault you for it because it was, and it was broken. I think that's the best word I would love to use for this offense. It was absolutely broken. So these guys have to, these coaches, I'm going to talk mostly about Shimko and, and Chudzinski. They have to fix major problems that have broken this offense. What's the first thing that they have to do? Job number one through five for them is fixing that offensive line. And to credit to the staff, I think in this offseason, they've done a nice job of addressing the biggest issue. And and, and yes, it was a year too late. Halfley should have last year added in the transfer portal more, more offensive linemen. But this offseason, they bring in Logan Taylor, a athletic freak offensive tackle from UVA. Mitch Wolf, who will be on our show tomorrow, he says, I watching this kid's film. This kid's got a huge upside. This kid's ready to explode. And that he, at the end of the year for the Who's, was getting better and better and better. That's positive. They got Kyle Hergel, who was one of on Bruce Feldman's athletic freaks at guard. He's got to fix that offensive guard position. And so you're going from a combination of any of these players, Jack Conley, uh, Finn Durstein, uh, uh, Dwayne Alec, and um, Jackson Ness, 
to Christian Mahogany and Kyle Hergel. That is a huge upgrade. So that gives you some, some stability there. But that's not the only answer for this offensive line. That's not the only thing that this offensive line needs to fix. There's still other issues that these guys have to do. Number one, continue the development of Drew Kendall and Ozzy Trapillo. So you have these other three guys that are coming in. They should be okay. Ozzy Trapillo progressed last year. Maybe not at the level that you're hoping that he was going to progress, but he definitely got better as the year went on. And I think with other with more established guys near him, you know, if he's lining up next to Christian Mahogany, that's a little better than lining up next to Dwayne Alec. That could help him develop. Drew Kendall, yes, he needs to develop as well. But that's a big piece of where this group is gonna where this group is gonna go. I think these guys are are good and hopefully with better talent around them will get better. But you know, if they're gonna, you know, get pro football focus grades in the 50s, that's gonna be an issue. So I want to see the, those guys are going to have to develop the spring, continuing to work on their footwork, their communication, their all, all the things that make good offensive, their leverage, all the good things that make offensive linemen click when they need to click. I think that's a big task for this offensive coaching staff and for Matt Applebaum, who um, I know folks out there are not the biggest fan of him, but if he comes in, I think this offensive coaching staff also has another role. They need to make sure that they simplify what the offensive line is doing and do not, do not, do not, do not do the zone blocking scheme that they were doing when Applebaum was here last time. I think from what I've heard that this system that they were using before for this offensive line uh, pre-2022 was a Frank Signetti idea. It wasn't an Applebaum idea. If that is the case, keep it simple. Keep it, you know, just basic, you know, you block this guy. This is how we communicate. This is how we stunt all that good stuff, right? Keep it simple for this offensive line. So I would say, hopefully that they don't go back to what Applebaum did uh, last time. And I believe if I remember from what I've also read, Miami didn't do zone scheme. So it's it where Applebaum was before. So I don't think he's going to be a guy that um, will bring that back. So hopefully that'll be a positive. In addition, I mean, I'm telling you, look, so keeping the scheme, making sure guys develop that are already there, make sure you have the depth is part three. So three parts already we're talking about on this offensive line that this offensive coaching staff have to look at. I, I, I envision injuries happening and it's, it's the, it's the elephant in the room for the staff is that every single year it's been injuries and a lack of depth that has killed this program. And it's what 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 differentiates Boston College from other programs. A school like Florida State, a school like um, Clemson, they can absorb injuries. And they do every year. Every You know, injuries aren't just a BC issue. A guy will go down on the offensive line and, they, hey, they got a guy that's ready to jump in and, and do that. BC last year did not have guys ready to jump in and do that. And, and to be fair, there was like five guys that went down. So it wasn't that as an issue, but BC needs to make sure for next year that they have 
a tackle that's ready to go, that they have a guard that's ready to go, and a, and a guy that can just go in a center in case something happens. And they need to be talented. They need to be guys that are not going to be, you know, you throw him out there and they are humongous uh, liabilities. Like, oh, God, this offensive line is good, except for that guy. Um, so that's another piece is figuring out who, your depth, making sure you have guys. And I, honestly, I think they're going to have that depth. Um, and they have players that could jump in like at tackle. Uh, he looked very, very raw last year, but someone like Jude Bowery or Kevin Klein could go in at tackle Kevin Klein again, or Jack Conley. I know folks aren't the biggest Conley fans, but I think he, as a backup, I think he'd be okay. I wouldn't hate it as a guard, as a backup. You have him, you should have Finn Durstein figuring out who those guys are just in case the slog of a football season, you lose some, one of the guys that you're depending on, you have another name that can jump in. And I think that's, uh, that's, you know, I just gave you three or four things that that, that offensive coordinator is going to need. So Chichinsky and Simko, they're going to have to figure that out in a moment. I'm going to look at the quarterback position because I think there's development that needs to happen there as well. We'll talk about what, is more what else I'm going to throw on that offensive coordinator's plate in just a moment. But before I get to that, folks, let me tell you about our good old friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports partner of the Locked On Network. And this is the midway point of the NBA season, and it's now the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the NBA money lines to scores, point scores, and threes drained. I mean, your imagination is the limit on FanDuel. You can do money lines. You can do... Uh, player points, rebounds, assists. They have the two times three, which is two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel let, even lets you combine your bets for a chance to bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash on. That's FanDuel.com slash on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Locked on BC. I am your host, AJ Black here. Uh, thank you all uh, for uh, following along. And I love all of you who are becoming regular commenters in our comment section here on the YouTube channel. And for all of you who have hit that subscribe button, if you have not done so, go to YouTube, find Locked on Boston College, hit the subscribe button. We're getting a killer BC community out here, and I want you to be part of it as well. All right. Looking at... BC's offensive coordinator, Shimko and and Chizinski. As I said, I don't I don't think this is a bad hire. It's it, as I said, it's underwhelming. I was hoping for a new set of eyes, but I still think that these two guys could be successful at BC. I think there's a lot um, that each brings. So Chizinski is a good offensive mind. He, it, you know, I, I think maybe what he could have done for BC and why the whole his fingerprints were all over the offense might have been more limited than even I had said is that he was in a role that he couldn't touch any like not touch, but like he couldn't be an on field coach. He could t- go over film with Halfley and do all that kind of stuff, but he couldn't do the day to day stuff because of NCAA limitations. Now that he's on the field, if he's allowed to do what he can do, he could be a real home run for BC. He could be a really good coach. But Shimko, he's an interesting one because, you know, his his role as an offensive coordinator, I believe he's had an experience before. Um, but 
what I think he brings and the skill set he brings that I, that I'm really interested to see is his work with quarterbacks. Now, lost in the shuffle of last year was the development of Emmett Moorhead. Remember, if you go back to 2021, rem- watch that Syracuse game that they threw Moorhead in and watch him in some of the la- later games of last year, the game against NC State, the game against Duke. You're going to see a guy that does not look like he doesn't look like the same player out there. That, my friends, was because of development. Syrac- that Syracuse game, he looked completely overwhelmed trying to read the defense. He I mean, Every time he would make one read and then he would turtle and get sacked because he just couldn't, he couldn't, his brain and his, um, the speed of the game was just too much for him because he was a guy, I mean, it's fair to Moorhead. He was a true freshman who didn't play as a senior in high school and, you know, hadn't played, you know, college ball yet to what we saw against Duke and NC state where this kid looks calm, collected. He reads the field. He makes good, quick reads. That's on Moorhead for being good and and having the skill set. A lot of that is on the coaching staff for developing him. And the name that keeps popping up is Steve Shimko. Steve Shimko is a, it seems to me to be a pretty darn good uh, quarterback coach. And so his job, you know, he's split in this role with Chadzinski. It's got to be on continuing to develop Moorhead because Moorhead is not perfect. As we saw in the Notre Dame game, when you threw a lot at him, he still made mistakes. But again, he was a redshirt freshman. So it wasn't like, you know, this is like huge red flags, but you still want to see him develop. You still want to see him get better. And that I think is going to be another role of this offensive coordinator. Helping him to continue to slow down the game, helping him to continue to make his reads. How does he continue to learn where blitz pointing out blitzes help? You know, I know. Uh, the offensive line may be able to help him with that. But for him to be able to understand coverages, all that good stuff, that's what uh, the coaching staff is going to have to work with him on and to continue to build that because it's not completely there yet. It's getting there. But that's development, right? That's that's what BC is supposed to be about, right? We're not a school that gets blue chippers. We're a guy that get a good guy like Moorhead and just build and build and build and build. So hopefully what we're going to see here next year is – a new offensive coordinator and Shimko who continues to build the development of Emmett Moorhead and to get him to that level. I'm not saying he needs to be like Jakovic in 2020, but to continue, like get him out of that talk. I mean, I'm already seeing it right now. Like when they're talking about the next, the top upcoming quarterbacks in the ACC, he's not mentioned at all. And rightfully so he shouldn't be, but I think by the end of the year, he could be. I think he could be one in the talk talk of a of a developing ACC quarterback. T- so that in twenty twenty four we're like, okay, BC's got something special here. That's another piece for me. All right. Also, I mean, this offensive line coach is going to have. I mean, the offensive coordinator has got a lot to talk about, and a lot to fix. The running game is going to be another major piece for this offensive coach to fix. Last year, as as Mitch put on uh, Eagle Insider, go over check this article out. It's great. It's about how catastrophically bad BC's offensive running game was in 2022. I mean, you got to read it. it. It's bad, 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 bad. And oh, yes, a lot of that is on the offensive line. But I think you have a bunch of running backs now. Adding in Kai Robichaud from Western Kentucky 
that are going to need to get their mojo back. They're going to need to feel some consistency and some uh, confidence that they probably lack. I I imagine if I was a guy like Alex Broom or Pat Garwo, that after last year, I'd feel pretty down on myself because I was just hammered all year long. I had to read about how bad my unit, my group did. And I think they just need to get some confidence back because the talent's there. We saw against Louisville, what Alex Broom can do. And in 2021, we saw what Pat Garwo can do when there's an offensive line in front of him. So they, they got it. They just need to get, feel better about it. I think this new offensive coordinator needs to get their mojo back. And it sounds corny, but like football's part mental too. Right. And like, you want these guys feeling like they can do it. So just getting them confident, getting them feeling like they can bust out of this slump and get going. And on top of that, for the running backs group, it's to get going, you know, the depth, the the depth of, uh, you know, behind Broom, behind Garbo, like making sure Robichaud gets ready. This he's, he's a transfer. He's coming in new. Get him in, get him into this new offensive scheme, making sure you have the depth there because the depth, was scary slim last year. So Robichaud, Cam Barfield, you know, even guys like Dottrell Jones, I know he probably won't be, I don't think he's in the new, the, the early enrollees, but get a guy like him ready to go too. So the running backs, I mean, so, so see, like you're, you're seeing this checklist that this offensive coordinator group is going to have to do. It's getting pretty big. It's get it's long. It's a long group for what they got to do. Secondly, this is the last one. Wide receivers, I'm not even going to touch that today. I think the wide receiver room is fine. I don't know. I, I mean, it, it, in terms of like lists of what I would want them to fix, I think wide receivers group is, is good. Uh, the tight ends, I think they need to build up some depth there. They don't, ugh. the depth there is scary. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. George Takis was badly battered last year. I'm not sure what his, you know, ceiling is going to be this year. Uh, he never, he, I felt like right after the first game where he had a couple good catches that he never really got going. And so I want to know what his, his, his ceiling is going to be, but for the coordinator, they're going to have to build up some depth behind him. Jer- Jeremiah Franklin did not look ready to be out on the field last year. And Hans Lillis is a solid player. I don't want to bash him, but I, I, it didn't seem like he's a, he's going to be like the next Hunter long. So Get, continuing to build up those guys. You got Holden Simmons coming in, a true freshman from Massachusetts. Um, he could be a guy that could come in. Matt Reagan, who didn't play last year, could be another guy. Continuing to build those guys up. I think that's the last piece. And, and of course, scheme-wise, the last piece that we want to talk about is the offensive coordinator needs to solidify the scheme, understand and really solidify within this program a scheme that will work going forward a scheme that does what Halfley wants them to do, which is to get things going to get, you know, get the ball first downs and, 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 and balance, but that's, it's simplified, but that's, that's the last thing they need to do. That's the, that's a number one, I think is to get the scheme back on, on track. Now in our final segment, a quick conversation about the basketball team who had another bad outing. And I'm going to give you a couple thoughts of what I watched. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Locked On BC. I'm your host, AJ Black. On Tuesday, Wednesday night, excuse me, BC, Tuesday night, excuse me, Tuesday night, BC played against Pitt uh, on the road in Pittsburgh. And it was a game uh, BC was in for the first half of that first, you know, I would say the first half of the first half, a first half of the first half. Yeah. And then 
there was one play I think that really turned the tides of this game. Pitt was playing well. And, you know, BC jumped out to, I think, like a six or seven point lead, and then it just collapsed. But the play that I thought really changed the momentum of this game was the technical foul on Quinton Post. And here's what happened. So Post looked like he was uh, po- posting up, get it, underneath the, the hoop to try to get a defensive rebound. I think it was defensive. It might have been offensive. And it was a tic-tac play. I don't know. I, I don't know, you know, from a basketball perspective, who the foul was on. It was called on him. But it also looked like the Pittsburgh, uh, uh, their center, looked like he had his arm hooked around um, Post and kind of chucked him too. So could have been back and forth. But Post had been completely frustrated this first half. I mean, he was getting hit all over the place and they weren't calling anything. He gets down to the ground and he tries to get up and he like hooks his arm around a pit player. And we've seen Post get um, aggravated before. He does this a lot. And he gets, and the other guy like yells and like flings his leg off and then gets in Chaz Kelly's face. And so Post and this other player get called for technicals. This sits Post, which is, of course, awful, uh, you know, for in terms of what BC can and can't do. But more so, as Malcolm Huckabee kept saying on the on the broadcast, the bigger issue here was the refs were cleaning up this game. They're going to cut down on the physicality. That's exactly what they did. And that killed Boston College because they called everything on BC. Like every time BC breathed on someone, they were calling fouls. And you know what? That's part of I'm not I'm not blaming the refs. It's you know, they, they didn't want to get any fights. They didn't want things to get too physical. You want to do that kind of stuff. It just completely derailed BC because that's kind of their style. They're a physical team. They're going to want to play that way. And all of a sudden you had Makai Ashley for with three fouls. Everyone else is getting in foul trouble. It just completely, I thought, pushed this game off the rails. The last thing BC needed playing the top team in the ACC, which it floors me to say this about Pitt. In one year, they went from one of the worst to one of the best. But that's what you get when you get senior leadership coming back. And I think five guys in their starting five are all, all upperclassmen. Once BC had to adjust their scheme to go to more finesse than their physical style, it was over. The game was over. I watched that. And at that point, I was like, let's just click this off. It's all, it's done. Because it, it that that just was not what this team needed. And it ended up going completely downhill from there. BC lost their lead. Pitt just started hitting wide open shots. BC kept getting in foul trouble. And that was the end of the game. I think that was the story. Pitt is talented. They just needed an excuse to go off on BC and they got it once BC was, you know, once as Huckabee said, had to clean up the game. Uh, And so that's on BC for, you know, it's kind of on post a little bit for, for kind of making a stupid foul because if, if he didn't like flail out and touch that other guy, they probably would have just let the players keep playing and, you know, they BC could, could do what they were doing, which led to the lead. But they didn't, and the the refs let the they stopped all that physicality, and it ended up biting BC. So it's another loss. They lost by I think it was nineteen points. The second half was just ugly, uh, and you know I don't know. There's not, not not much more to talk about from this game. It's another ugly loss for Boston College. Tomorrow we're gonna be back. I'm recording this on th- Wednesday morning. I know it's a morning recording for me. I fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep during the pit game and ended up watching it again this morning. Uh, <laughs> I was just exhausted folks. You know, I'm a human being. I'm not a recording machine. I, I, I fell asleep last night. I could not record. So I'm doing this on a Thursday morning. I love y'all. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. We have a special guest. It's actually, if you're listening on Wednesday, it's tonight. We'll be recording. If you want to go in live, 
Mitch and I are going to be joined by Boston College safety, Jaden Woodbay, who's going to talk to us about his Shrine Bowl experience, his time at Boston College, all the different degrees that he has, and his his journey to the NFL. If you like a good interview, Jaden's one of the more fascinating guys that I've ever talked to. You're not going to want to miss this. Make sure you hit that subscribe button right now. This is AJ Black. I'm the editor and publisher of Eagle Insider. Please subscribe to our page and find us on YouTube. We'll be back again tomorrow. See you again soon.